0: Hello friends and welcome back. Uh, what a crazy week it has been. Holy moly. Uh, from that debate. Uh, wow. Talk about horrific. Uh, to Trump's announcement, to his announcement today that he's out of hospital, which I think is kind of nuts. But anyways, from a outsider in a completely different country, it's like watching a soap opera that you can't turn away. It's, it's just, it's absurd. I just, wow, still my mind is spinning. But uh, let's get back on to, uh, to topic today. And uh, I'm really, really excited to talk about this film. Um, I personally, I enjoyed the book. It, I mean, I it, it was a little bizarre at first, but once you kind of wrap your head around it, it is pretty fantastic. And uh, absolutely, once they announced they were doing this into a movie, uh, adapting it into a film i was thrilled and uh, yeah here we are and i'm so excited without further ado let's dive into i'm thinking of ending things it's snowing Winter's coming in. we have a real connection a rare and intense attachment i've never experienced anything like it i'm thinking of ending things huh what did she say something i don't think so weird i'm visiting jake's parents for the first time he hasn't been my boyfriend for very long they really are looking forward to meeting you i think you're ending things hello we're here <gasps> Hi. oh it's all wet She told me so much about both of you, too. And you came anyway. <laughs> Jake tells me you're studying quantum psychics. Physics. <laughs> but there's just something profoundly wrong here. Are you okay? Yeah. I think ending something. <laughs> I am so glad Jake has found someone. <laughs> Soon, this will all be a distant memory. Who's this? That's me. No, it was me. I tell you, I would misplace my own hat if it wasn't screwed onto my own head. I feel like I was seeing the message. There is some crazy performances in this film. So, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, the 2020 American psychological drama written, directed by Charlie Kaufman and based off the 2016 novel of the same name by Ian Reid, who I uh, will admit at the time I was just a mere little barista but uh, got to serve the one, the only, Um, you know, well, uh, maybe he was writing this book, who knows. But um, still... Pretty cool to have uh, got to meet the guy. But, uh, anyways, little humble brags aside, uh, this film stars Jesse Clemens, Jesse Buckley, Tony Collette, and David Thelis. Released in select theaters August 28, 2020, and of course, Netflix wide release September 4, 2020, receiving positive reviews from critics. Uh, b- basically praising the two lead performances and, of course, the cinematography. For those of you not familiar with the plot of this film, essentially, we're going to be following a young woman who's contemplating ending her six-week relationship. Uh, but she's kind of chosen a weird time to do it. She's en route to meeting her boyfriend's parents in their remote farm. And it's where we get this interesting dialogue between Jake and, of course, our young woman. And uh, essentially it goes back and forth until, of course, we uh, we do reach our final destination, where we are introduced to uh, Jake's eccentric and very uh, quirky parents. Now, the plot really thickens. The mystery just becomes this tangled web uh, once our young woman essentially starts to kind of investigate around Jake's house from his parents kind of aging to, you know, becoming younger again, to as well as just odd inconsistencies um, from the narratives to, you know, right up to her going down to check on the laundry and finding all these identical janitor uniforms. It just, all these things don't add up, not to mention a mysterious phone call that keeps reoccurring. So finally, uh, basically, you know, dinner wraps up and it's time to go home and uh, they begin their, their drive, which is truly, it's not as comfortable as the ride up. It's a little more tense. Um, Jake stops for ice cream. It's sort of awkward. Long long story short, we end up at Jake's high school and this is when things truly take an odd twist. Uh, essentially, Jake goes in for a kiss. Lo and behold, believes he sees someone staring at them, goes into the school. She follows. And uh, this is when we meet our janitor and our, you know, everything comes full circle. We seem to have this little dream ballet fight sequence, which uh, of course sadly ends with the janitor's dancer killing Jake's dancer with a knife. And uh, essentially, Finishing his shift, the janitor seems to have suffered um, a mental breakdown. And he's, um, you know, hallucinating Jake's parents as well as this animated Tulsi town jingle and uh, essentially undresses, goes back into the school, has another hallucination about a Megan infested pig. And uh, lo and behold, we end with Jake receiving the Nobel Prize and singing to an audience of various characters um you know singing a uh, a lovely song from the one the only musical Oklahoma and uh, essentially we're gonna get into it but this film leaves you going what the fuck does that mean it was truly truly bizarre but once you sort of unpack each one of these sort of little frames bit by bit um, you know the meaning of character placement dance sequences right down to the songs it all starts to make sense <clears throat> and I do have to say none of this would be worth watching if it wasn't for the two performances from our Jesses uh Jesse Buckley and of course uh Jesse Plemons they do a phenomenal job you just you're totally just Entertained and just captivated by these two. You, you just, you want to know more. And uh, of course, the dialogue is, is fantastic. It's beautiful. And uh, it just really, to me, represented a big chunk of the book because Ian Reed's writing is just fantastic. Now, <laughs> my Oscars this time around are going to two of our side characters Tony Clut as mother and David Thewlis as father. Uh, for those of you who don't know, of course, that is Mr. Weasley. And uh, the two of them do a phenomenal job. I mean, we saw Tony Collette within uh, Hereditary, but it was neat to see uh, David Thellis kind of take on sort of a horrorish role. I've never really seen him in that character. And uh, the two of them, just phenomenal. Again, did a great job playing off of each other. And of course, with our two Jassies. And uh, you can't forget the rest. Um, there's definitely a a very unique group of casts uh, here. And uh, one thing I didn't know, which I found out later on, Oliver Platt plays our voice, which was uh, was kind of cool. So production. Announced January 2018, Charlie Kaufman was adapting adapting Ian Reid's novel for Netflix, and he would be in the director's seat. Uh, in December, Brie Larson and Jesse Plemons were cast in the film, but March 2019, Jesse Buckley, Tony Clint, and David Thelis would join with Buckley replacing Larson. Who knows what happened there? I wonder if it had anything to do with her uh, Marvel casting. But uh, principal photography began on March 13, 2019 in Fishkill, New York, and was completed April 29, 2019, Uh, which just happens to be my birthday. Kind of cool. As uh, November 7, 2019, the film would be in post-production. And as I said, release-wise, we'd see this very small release, August 28, 2020, Wouldn't have anything to do with COVID, would it? Uh, But uh, Netflix, of course, thank God for Netflix. Wide release September 4, 2020, where we would all have the wondrous ability to see this from uh, the comfort of our own home. So getting into the critical reception here. So critics love it. 82% 82% with about 213 critics reviews, all stating positive, you know, loving the performance, Charlie Kaufman, you know, his ability to uh, basically grapple with the human condition, uh, which is something he's known with for his films. And uh, essentially, it's through and through, everyone absolutely loved it. Um, although I did find one negative review, uh, basically from, uh, Adam Graham of the Detroit News saying, I'm thinking of ending things is an unsol- unsolvable riddle where the only answer is mankind's hopelessness. And we've been down this road before. And for all my little film nerd film buffs out there, I uh, just wanted to note some of the, uh, the kind of interesting tie-ins throughout this film. So we have the poem uh, coming from Eva HD's collection, Rotten Perfect Mouth. And uh, it's a copy of the said collection, which appears in the film. The young woman's monologue, which is taken directly from Pauline Call's review of the film, a collection of her reviews, uh, can be seen in Jake's childhood home. Uh, There's... Reminiscent of one in Oklahoma, the belly features the young woman dancer taking the role of Lori and Jake's dancer taking the role of Curly and, of course, the janitor taking the role of Judd. I'm not too familiar with the role of Oklahoma, but I'm assuming kind of our two lovers and, of course, our sort of villain. But uh, perhaps I'm wrong, so reach out to me, uh, musical fans, because I need to know more. Uh, The Nobel Prize acceptance speech um, taken from John Nash's acceptance speech during the finale of A Beautiful Mind, uh, the DVD of which is seen on the shelf of Jake's childhood bedroom, and the tune is titled Lonely Room, which is of course from Oklahoma. And why am I mentioning some of this to you guys? Because this is going to make this whole film make sense. So essentially the key plot point from Reed's novel uh, that really hasn't been transferred into Kaufman's adaptation uh, is the reveal that the young woman and Jake are all in fact the same person. In the book, Jake's been constructing an alternative narrative after failing to give his number to a young woman he spies at the same pub on trivia night. Uh, Of course, their paths never crossed and uh, in reality, Jake writes about what what would have happened instead. So Kaufman's script makes this point a bit more opaque, essentially twerking uh this twist by giving us clues that jake and the janitor are the same person the two have the same slippers jake and the janitor have knowledge of the high school oklahoma's production the janitor's work clothes are in uh, jake's parents washing machine Uh, blah 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 now knowing jake is the janitor's avatar helped Avatar helps us make sense of earlier events. The constant editing of the young woman's name, profession, clothing, and even the way Jake's parents look and behave. It's happening, you know, as the janitor readjusts his own idolized narrative inside his head. Essentially, this is all as he imagines it. Jake's, you know, he's controlling... He's basically a total asshole presence, for lack of a better word. And uh, knowing this twist... The young woman, his parents, they all become aware, you know, of this sort of behavior, you know, especially during the dinner scene, um, when they kind of uh, you know, defer to him at certain points. But essentially this explains the janitor's near awe of meeting the young woman at the high school. His brain has broken at this point, and he's finally manifested the woman in his head to see, you know that He's controlling, but he fails to be assertive or intellectually forward as Jake, his better self. So, you know, you can't walk here, blah, blah, blah. But essentially, he, he's not as crafty and as wordy and as just, you know, just, we all are guilty of this. We imagine ourselves in situations to be way better. And if the situations occur, we all fall apart, you know? Uh, Especially if you are in love with that individual and you're not sure if those feelings are reciprocated. It is truly one of the best ways of imagining yourself in a better situation and falling apart. I May mean, you all find that perfect someone because it just makes things so much easier. But anyways, back to our point. So the Jake Janitor arc reveals, you know, that I'm thinking of ending things is interest in critiquing the cultural importance we put on the ideas of great men. Much like any biography on a man who's risen from hardship to greatness, the janitor has created his own scenario. Jake and the young woman's relationship, leading to dinner with the parents, you know, you can follow this comforting craft narrative of greatness, you know, intellect, and uh, essentially it's a character he perceives himself to be. Uh, but still, Reality he just basically goes to his day to day life feeling unappreciated, ignored, and so forth and uh, yeah, kind of if you're feeling that uh you know certain news worthy term i don 't even want to get into it, but it it kind of hits that vibe for me a little bit, which was interesting um but uh, throughout the movie it's discussed that Jake has always been smarter than other children. bit of a loner, didn't bother with friendships, relationships. Essentially very temperamental. And uh, this may have something to do with his near genius. You know, he quietly fostered this through reading, you know, basically his own self-spent life. But uh, at that same time, you can surround yourself with all this brilliance. But unless you have someone there to kind of talk, to you about certain things, break things down, maybe even challenge your own thoughts, your own beliefs, you kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh yeah, you turn into an asshole. <laughs> you know, you can't learn to accept other people's thoughts, their own opinions, and essentially you can't meet them in the middle, for lack of a better word, and this is Jake through and through. Uh, you know, he lives in a world where he is superior, uh, and it's affirmed through and through by everyone that he sees, everyone he knows. But in reality, that certainly is not the case. Now, did you happen to notice during that awkward dinner, you know, it's the first time the parents are meeting the girlfriend. You'd think they'd want to know more about her. But throughout the night, Jake seems to steal the shine. Uh, You know, the janitor quickly kind of editing things, but it basically makes her appear less than you know barely equal in status and uh, it's it's an interesting kind of take yeah i you know i first i didn't pick up on this it wasn't until i did a little research after but uh, any misstep she makes is you know when the janitors created to make jake look more important more powerful more superior and uh, the second time watching it you kind of really start to pick up on those little you know dialogue basically almost like you know, catch and release in a way. It's, it was interesting. (laughs) And I'll admit, there is a few more, uh, details. I'm really just skimming the surface here on- kind of the breakdown but the most important thing is that ballet scene at the end I'm sure most of you were like what the hell is going on so Jake the janitor his unsettling level of control over the young woman also ties into the repeated references to Oklahoma the references go from subtle just playing the music to overt, with the music's dream ballet echoing the dream ballet of course at the end of Oklahoma first act uh, both ballets show a young woman caught between two two men in the beginning the woman imagines a happy ending with the man she truly loves then the second man interferes disrupting the relationship and causing pain as he tears the couple apart i'm thinking of ending things dream belly speaks to the fragility of the narrative and the janitor has created to take comfort in when he enters the scene and tries to take over where jake left off the illusion begins to crumble and expose who he is uh he's only able to recover some semblance of comfort in the final scenes which returned to the notion of male greatness and the janitor trying to compensate for feeling shortchanged by the world by creating his own lifetime achievement ceremony. This is, of, por- of course, complete with performing a song which discusses how a lonely man, specifically the janitor, left to live in his own dream world, deludes himself into believing he's owed something he's not, in reality, owned at all. And of course, finally breaking down to loneliness and the imagination. Uh, the, the janitor's lost his goddamn mind at this point. Um, and loneliness, as we know, can breed unsettling potential negative imagination effects and uh, also starts to allow for this ras- rationalization of dark thoughts. And uh, essentially, it kind of creates this whole narrative with the, you know, rotten pig, of course, to. Uh, our final note of, uh, Jake accepting a Nobel prize and, uh, you know, singing our, our lovely tune from Oklahoma, you know, as I said, that male greatness, you know, the illusion of everyone that he's ever known in front of him was truly bizarre. Um, but at the same time, refreshing, unique, and something I'd not quite seen before. And I actually really, really enjoyed it. That being said, this is not going to be for everyone. I'm just going to put that out there. This is certainly somewhat artsy. And so for those of you that didn't enjoy it, try and go back with a different lens on this time. And uh, and you may see it differently. Um, I always, always try to keep a very open mind when it comes to these sort of artsy films, because sometimes it's all in these little glimmers glances that really break things down for you. So guys, thank you so much for listening. As you all know, it means the absolute world to me. I hope you're all making do and living life as best you can out there. I mean, it is October, so do all you can to enjoy this spooky season. Of course, in a safe, safe environment. I cannot specify that enough. Uh, It is a scary time, guys, so stay well, stay healthy, and wear your fucking mask. Uh, As always, guys, if you want to see what antics I'm up to, follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And, uh, you know, send me a a DM. Always love to hear from you. And uh, guys, as always, you know the rule, especially now it's October. Keep calm, stay creepy.